Diary of an Arcade Employee podcast. I'm your host, Vic Sage, and for this show, we'll be discussing 1982's classic arcade title, Mr. Do. Before we get to that great game, however, I would like to briefly discuss what my main task as an arcade employee at the Arcadia Retrocade entails. Well, in my case, I'm now only able to donate my time on Wednesday, as I have a full-time job at a local upscale hotel. I certainly wish I could be at the arcade more. I mean, I obviously feel closer to the arcade than I do at my day job, but you have to pay the bills, right? And if by donating my time, I'm able to help the arcade keep its overhead down, so much the better. Originally, when Arcadia opened, my work schedule was such that I could be at the arcade four days a week, which was wonderful. But thankfully for the arcade, Shay Mathis, the owner and manager, was able to hire Andy Pickle as his right-hand man. Andy has just as much love and devotion to the arcade as Shay, which as you might imagine is an important aspect for working at an arcade. By the way, I believe we will have Andy on the next show for a little Q&A. So, what do I do? Friends, I can proudly say I mostly work the snack bar. I keep an eye over the back of the arcade with Andy taking care of the front. Now that doesn't mean I just sit behind the counter, slinging canned sodas and bags of chips, or handing out candy bars and just taking it easy. I make sure that our players are not experiencing any troubles with the arcade's collection of home consoles, like the N64 or NES, that they understand how to work our Magnavox Odyssey, ColecoVision, and Intellivision systems just as often as showing them how to start up their game if they've missed the free play button on a particular arcade cabinet. Working the snack bar means I also have the pleasure of talking to the players at length as they sit and take a break. It's great to talk to the kids who've never had the pleasure of visiting an actual arcade until they step through the doors of Arcadia. But I particularly love it when someone who recalls the glory days of arcades has a chance to stop and chat. The look on their face as they just take it all in. Being transported back to their own youths is a sight I will never get tired of. Now, my personal experience with the game we are going to discuss, Mr. Do, is much like Moon Patrol that we talked about on the first episode of the Diary podcast. And it was thanks to our local showbiz pizza. I'm not sure if it was this way with all showbiz locations, but for the one in northwest Arkansas, when you entered the building, you passed by tightly packed rows of what I would call the most popular arcade games, generally the newer arrivals. As I've shared over on the Retroist site, I didn't get to visit our showbiz pizza until nearly a year after it had opened. So when I was first introduced to Mr. Do, it was in the southeast area of the building, which is where the older games were located, or those that didn't get a ton of play, like Popeye and Bagman, which was okay by me because it meant that I didn't have to worry about the other kids jockeying for position to play next. It allowed me to take my time and really come to a decision on a game. I liked Mr. Do, but to be honest, back in the day, I was more of a fan of a similar game you might have heard of called Dig Dug. Mr. Do was developed and released by Universal in 1982. In my youth, I just assumed that it was Universal Studios throwing their hat into the arcade game ring. That wasn't the case. 
Universal Company Limited was founded back in 1969 as Universal Lease Company Limited and manufactured everything from slot and pachinko machines to, of course, arcade titles. They had released Space Panic in 1980, an early example of the platforming genre that Donkey Kong would pick up and improve upon the following year. Just my opinion, of course. But Space Panic had no jump feature. Your character was forced to defend himself by digging a hole and luring adversaries into it. Kind of like 1983's Load Runner, actually. In 1981, Universal released an arcade classic entitled Ladybug, which was similar in play to 1980's Pac-Man by Namco. Comparisons to other popular games would continue with their next title in 1982, because, as I said earlier, Mr. Do does share similarities with Namco's Dig Dug, the latter being released in North America in May of 1982, and the former making it to the arcades in December. Both Dig Dug and Mr. Do have the player digging passages, and each does have the option of dropping large objects on your enemies. In Dig Dug, you have boulders, and with Mr. Do, you have giant apples, although you can move those toward a drop point of your choosing to smash your enemies below, where in Dig Dug, of course, those boulders will just drop straight down. Honestly, that is where I personally feel the similarities end. Mr. Do was released as a dedicated cabinet, as well as cocktail table versions, but it was also sold as a conversion kit from the famous game company Taito, which meant that arcade owners could drop the $500 to purchase the kit and transform a game that players were largely ignoring, say, like a ladybug, and transform it into a Mr. Do cabinet. The gameplay allows the player to take control of a colorful character, a circus clown naturally called Mr. Do. With a four-way joystick allowing you to move the character left, right, up, and down, you are tasked with digging tunnels while trying to eat the cherries that are dotted in clusters of eight around the screen. Eating a cherry earns you a mere 50 points, but after eating eight of them in a row, they are worth 500 points. Devouring all of the cherries on a stage will end it. Of course, while doing this, you are also trying your best to avoid the red monsters that are in hot pursuit. Now, Mr. Do isn't without a weapon to defend himself, he has a deadly bouncy ball, or a power ball as it's called in the instructions. What? Is that really any crazier than Dig Dug's character attacking bad guys with an air pump? A player will really want to keep that ball in reserve though, because once you've launched it with the fire button, it will ricochet through the tunnels you've made, hopefully hitting an enemy if it's gotten too close. But if you miss, that ball will just keep bouncing all through the tunnels for a bit before disappearing and it takes time for it to reform back in Mr. Do's hands, and the more you use it, the longer it takes to come back. Planting your Powerball in the face of a red monster grants you 500 points. As I mentioned earlier, you can also use those giant apples to take out the monsters on your trail. A little problem with that, though, is the monsters can use them against you as well. If an apple drops on Mr. Do, it will end that life just as easily as it will the monster it connects with. It's a pretty horrible feeling to be running for your life from the monsters behind you, and at the last second, see a monster up above pushing that apple over the lip of the tunnel, and BAM! You are conked on the head before you can switch directions. Also, the apples will break if they drop more than their own height. Now sometimes, and it is a rare occurrence, if an apple drops more than two levels, when it breaks open, it might reveal a diamond, and you'll want to nab that sparkly prize because it will grant an instant free game, as well as 8,000 points and in that stage. If an apple takes out a red monster, you will earn 1,000 points, 2,000 points if you hit a second monster with it on the way down, and so on. 
These red monsters that hound you throughout the game always appear in the center of the level. And as you're trying to collect all those cherries, every so often they will transform into a more powerful foe, able to dig tunnels of their own, dropping apples and destroying the cherries if they touch them, which of course means less points for the player. When all of the normal red monsters have emerged from the center of the screen, a food item will appear there. Picking that up will give you some nice bonus points, as well as stunning the red monsters, which are still deadly if touched. But it also releases what is called the Alpha Monster, with the addition of three deadly blue henchmen. Those Alpha Monster henchmen, th they really are the worst. For one thing, they can eat apples, which means it's a lot harder to crush them, but at least the Powerball can take them out. The goal at that point is really to take out the Alpha Monster. Doing so will transform the henchman into apples and net you one of the letters the Alpha Monster sports on its chest needed to spell extra. That Alpha Monster sporting a letter on its chest will come out alone every time you collect 5,000 points. And the reason you are trying to spell out extra is twofold. It will end the stage you are on and provide you with an additional man for your troubles. So, was Mr. Do as popular a game as Dick Dug? No, but it was successful enough, spawning Mr. Do's Castle, or Mr. Do vs. the Unicorns, in 1983, and Mr. Do's Wild Ride, as well as Do Run Run in 1984. I'm excited to reveal that Arcadia currently has three of the Mr. Do titles, with only Mr. Do vs. the Unicorns missing from the collection. But give it time, Shay will eventually get his hands on one. As a sign of success, it was also subject to bootleg versions. The killer list of video games, or CLOV, mentions three of them. There was Mr. Digdo, the sprites being changed to look more like Digdug, Yankee Do, the sprites have a more patriotic look, and Mr. Jong, where the sprites of Mr. Do have been altered to resemble an old Chinese man, and the apples have been transformed into Mahjong tiles. Now, if those sound like strange choices to transform Mr. Do into, I would like to add that in the original release in Japan, Mr. Do wasn't a clown, but a snowman. In fact, you can plainly see that in the original ads. I'll be sure to post a link to the Arcade Flyer archive, so you might see this for yourself. Mr. Do was also popular enough of a game to be ported to many of the home consoles and personal computers of the day, like the Atari 2600, the Apple II, MSX computers, Atari 8-bit computers, the Commodore 64, and the ColecoVision. And now, this message. Now, playing on ColecoVision, Mr. Do and Time Pilot, two of the best new arcade games for the best system made. This is Time Pilot, a battle with aircraft from the past and the future. Homing missile! Got him! Uh-oh! Blue bomber! And this is Mr. Do. Mow a path to his fruit and start picking, but don't get picked off. Powerball! <laughs> nice shot. Mr. Do and Time Pilot, now playing on ColecoVision. The best system in town keeps getting better. Mr. Do was often found as one of the standby games to choose from on the still-excellent early 1980s arcade game show, Starcade. Jeff, I guess Mike's phone really got you razzled because Mr. Do left his castle over in position one. This is just Mr. Do. Why do they call him Mr. Do? Because they do. And you do. A lot of cherry gathering and digging and monster bashing. Why? Just because you do. After all, you are Mr. Do. And since you are, you can fling power balls at monsters and drop apples on their heads. 
such fun being Mr. Do. Mr. Do was brought back to the arcades in 1989 with a 99-level title developed by ElectroCoin. Our favorite digging clown also made an appearance on Nintendo's Game Boy in Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And in 1997, Neo Mr. Do was developed by Visco and licensed by Universal for the Neo Geo systems. The current high score holder for Mr. Do at the Arcadia Retrocade is James Bakeman with 275,650 points. The world record holder for Mr. Do was achieved by Tongi Linderman in 2008 with a staggering 30,075,000 points. I really want to thank Michael Dietrich for giving me the lowdown on the high scores. Now, Mr. Do was one of the earlier games that Shea was able to obtain for the Arcadia Retrocade. I recall it being one of the first 20 titles and even earned a spot in what I call the Showcase Row. That is where Shea has located the likes of the Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and the Mario Brothers series, amongst other heavy hitters, including Dig Duck. But it turned out that Mr. Do came down with a case of being shy on opening day, as it was the only game that decided to stop functioning. I couldn't help but shake my head at the irony of that, my friends. Thankfully, our techs were able to get it back up and running before too long, and now it sits with Circus Charlie on one side, which seems quite appropriate, with Bank Panic and Crazy Climber on the other. As I stated at the beginning of the podcast, I was fond of Mr. Do in my youth, but found myself drawn more to Dig Dug. These days, I can honestly claim that has been reversed. I think one of the reasons is Mr. Do is not an easy game. I don't mean that it's soul-crushingly hard, but I've found that you have to be a little more on the ball, no pun intended, than with Dig Dug. Earl Green of Phosphor.Fossils was kind enough to let me know that while Mr. Do may not have as catchy a tune as, say, Moon Patrol, it does lend itself well to songs, like in Mr. Do, We Love You by Duppy from their 1999 album, Towering Edible Ant Machine. Mr. Do, might I suggest you listen to episode 105 of the Retros Podcast. Not only is it hands down a better podcast than my own, but I think it's safe to say that the Retros is probably one of the biggest Mr. Do fans you'll ever find. I'll be sure to include a link to that episode with this post. Friends, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. If you have any feedback for the show, or perhaps a suggestion for a game to cover in the future, you can reach me at vicsage at retroist.com. Diary of an Arcade Employee is now available for download on iTunes, so if you have a moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you could stop by there and give us a positive review. 
For further information about the Arcadia Retrocade, please make sure to follow them over on their Facebook page. I'll be sure to provide a link on the Retroist post. I, of course, want to give a huge thanks again to the Retroist for not just hosting this podcast, but for allowing me to record in the Retroist vault. And when you need your daily retro fix, why not visit the Retroist site at www.retroist.com. I hope you listeners will also share your memories of arcades and the game of the week in the comments sections of the podcast post. Better yet, I hope you'll be able to share some vintage photos of your favorite arcades. Until next time, have a token on me as we listen to a clip for the game we'll discuss on the next show. has been a Retroist production. Goodbye, and we hope to see you next time.